everybody, it's Dr. Mark Hyman, and I'm so thrilled to have my good friend and extraordinary scientist, Dr. Dale Bredesen, joining us today to talk about the end of Alzheimer's. Can you believe it? There is a possibility that one, we don't have to get it, and two, that we can even reverse it in early stages. It's really radically new thinking. So many of you may not be familiar with Dr. Bredesen. He's not one of us internet doctors or promotional guys. He's actually a real scientist, unlike me. I'm just a regular practicing doc. And he's come at this whole world of Alzheimer's through understanding the root causes from a scientific point of view and through his extraordinary research. He's the, with the Buck Institute. Uh, he's the uh, was a, a member of the National Advisory Council on Aging. He's done extraordinary work in his field and is really a leader and has done really pioneering work in the field of Alzheimer's research. So I'm thrilled to have him today to talk to us about Alzheimer's, which most of us are pretty scared of, right? Because it's a, such a prevalent condition. It affects so many, and yet there is no treatment of the, you know, 400 and change studies that have been done over the last decade or two. 99.6% uh, have shown no benefit, and the ones that show benefit are basically, oh, well, you delay going to the nursing home by a couple of months. So it's been a massive failure because we're dealing with things in the wrong way. So let's talk first about how you got into this whole field of Alzheimer's and what led you down this path. Well, thanks very much for having me, Mark. I really appreciate it. So uh, we started the lab 28 years ago, and the idea was that the greatest area of biomedical failure had been the ability to develop effective therapeutics for neurodegeneration, Lou Gehrig's disease, Alzheimer's disease, Lewy body disease, Parkinson's. We really haven't had something to reverse the process. And so what we started the lab around was the idea of could we understand the most fundamental nature of these diseases, the molecular basis so that we could fashion the first effective therapeutics. And I have to say, what has been really interesting is that although all the laboratory work has supported what you published back in 2007. So I probably should have looked at that way the back then. The solution, yeah, that was way back when. Yeah, to 10 years ago, um, you were talking about these same things. And so what's really interesting is I mean, we came at this from a completely different, strictly out of the test tube. I knew nothing about functional medicine which is why I believe in it so strongly now, because we ended up at the exact same place, even though we came from the test tube. Yeah, it's so powerful. So so what are the challenges? Because, you know, it sounds like you went down a traditional road looking at the mechanisms and trying to find the single drug target, find the drug to hit that target and like reverse Alzheimer's. But none of that worked. And you come upon a very different theory of how it all happens and what to do about it, because the conventional approach really failed you, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when we first started the lab almost 30 years ago, uh, my wife, who's an integrative physician, said to me, you know, whatever you guys come up with in the lab, you know, it's going to have something to do with the basic things that we treat in medicine. And I said, no, 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 no. We're going to find one molecule, one region, one domain. We're going to fashion a drug against that one little thing, and that's going to reverse everything. <laughs> so I was wrong. I should have listened to her, you know, all those years ago, obviously. So what happened Always listen was, to your wife. They know best, right? <laughs> I know. I know. I made that same mistake that many of us make. So what happened, though, was we started to ask the question, what is Alzheimer's? What is the fundamental nature of this problem? You know, if you think of cancer uh, you know, as a fundamental change in the, you know, in the uh, uh, division of cells versus the turnover, what is the fundamental nature of Alzheimer's? Because people spend their whole careers on one theory. Oh, you know, it's reactive oxygen species or it's, you know, it's metal binding, something. But there's some fundamental, the, the, what is the linchpin here? 
And what we found was really surprising. Mm. What we found was that there is a balance, just as you have this beautiful balance in osteoporosis, you've got osteoblastic activity, got osteoclastic activity, and when that gets out of balance over time, you get osteoporosis. What we found Those are the cells that, that build up or break down bone to recycle it. It's a process of you know, taking away and then building up, right? Exactly. It's like working on your house all the time. You know, you're taking a little away, you're putting a little on, you're doing this. But, you know, for 20 years, you only do the demolition and you never do the construction. Your house is going to get smaller, 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 yeah. which is just what happens to your bones. Mm -hmm. So what we found is the same thing happens in Alzheimer's disease. It's essentially synaptoporosis. Mm -hmm. You have synaptoblastic activity. And there are dozens of things and signals that contribute to that. Things like estradiol and things like nerve growth factor and brain-derived neurotrophic factor, vitamin D, you know, on and on and on. Then you also have, on the other hand, synaptoclastic activity. Because let's face it, you know, we are forgetting the seventh song that played on the radio on the way to work yesterday, all those sorts of things. That's normal. We're remembering only the most important things, how to drive, how to speak, how to do your job, all those sorts of things. And so we found that there's this beautiful balance, and we started to look at what actually affects that balance. And guess what? It turned out to be all the things the epidemiologists have been telling about, telling us about. So things like your hemoglobin A1C, if you have prediabetes, you are at increased risk, if your homocysteine is high. So then the interesting finding out of this That's was- That's a folate we, deficiency, we, right? Exactly. If you have a folate deficiency and your homocysteine starts to rise, you actually, and of course, it's also associated with inflammation, a big problem for cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. So what we found is that what is referred to as Alzheimer's disease mm -hmm. is actually a protective response, which is 180 degrees different than we had been taught, a protective response to three fundamentally different Insults. Yeah. And you go into these in your book. So one is chronic inflammation. Mm. Huge issue. And you can literally follow the molecules down. So for example, you get inflamed, you activate NF kappa B, it goes into the nucleus, binds to hundreds of genes, turns on the very genes that cleave to make the amyloid. Mm. So you actually are triggering the production. Amyloid is literally a part of your innate immune system. And that's the so stuff that gunks up the brain. It's like basically stuff that just causes Alzheimer's in your brain to kind of get clogged up. Exactly. So it's the stuff that the pathologist looks at and says, okay, this person had Alzheimer's disease mm -hmm. because of that amyloid, which is a little peptide that's mm -hmm. cut from a bigger protein. And this protein, which is amyloid precursor, ADP, will go one, it'll either go to making synapses or it'll go to removing, just like osteoporosis, you got the yeah. synaptoblastic, synaptoblastic. So you basically gotta take out the stuff that's causing your cells to break down and put in the stuff that makes your cells grow and renew, which is yeah, a very radical idea that you can actually reverse cognitive decline. I mean, we, we all learned that Alzheimer's is a one-way street, dementia is a one-way street, maybe we can take drugs that slow it a little bit, but there was no idea that you could actually stop it or even turn back the clock. But that's what you're finding, right? That's exactly what we're finding. So what we're finding here is that if you understand the signaling, so you look at many, many different parameters. Currently, we look at 150 different parameters. Then you can actually see whether it is the subtype 1, the inflammatory, the subtype 2, which is the atrophic, or the subtype 3, which is the toxin-related. 
It's protecting you from something. And often it's a combination of things, as you know. So you have to get in there and you have to change and optimize each of those things. So this is, you know, we've heard from Dr. Hyman before. Take out the bad stuff, put in the good stuff. And that's exactly what this is. At the mole- You can see it yeah. literally at the molecular species level. It's really striking. Yeah. So when you now look at what's wrong, each person, no surprise, is different. So we tell the patients. So there's no such thing as Alzheimer's or dementia. There's many different types. And that's what yes. we're learning is that you have to treat the specific thing that's going on with that person. Right. And this is all called Alzheimer's. It's just that when you really look closely at it, it's not one disease. It is different subtypes. And each one requires a different optimal treatment. And indeed, each person requires a different optimal treatment. And that's where programmatics and computation are really, really helpful. Now, what's amazing is that uh, this has never been done before. I mean, you know, we say, well, you can reverse diabetes, you better die. But there is nothing out there that gives anybody any hope for this horrible condition that is is really going to cripple our society. It costs more than cancer or heart disease to take care of Alzheimer's patients. And it's just affecting all the caregivers. It's really a crisis. And you're giving hope in a way that has never happened before. So talk to us about your book, The End of Alzheimer's, because I think this is a book that is really revolutionary that everyone should go out and buy today because it will change the way you think about taking care of your brain. We know how to take care of our hearts, but most of us have no clue how to take care of our brains, and that's the most important organ in many ways. So how, how um, in the book do you talk about the principles of, of fixing this? What are the main principles in the book? Yeah, really good point. So what happened was back in 2014, we published the first peer-reviewed paper that showed, you know, here are the first 10 patients, and by the way, there are over 1,000 now, but we had 10, nine of them had shown clear improvement, and we got over 5,000 emails and calls saying, you know, how do you do this? What are the details, the specifics? So that's why I wrote the book. The idea was, let's put everything down here, all of the scientific principles, how did we get here, in a form that everybody can read. It's for caretakers, it's for patients, it's for doctors, it's for neuropsychologists, it's for health coaches, everybody. And so you can see how this came to be, and you can see all the tests that you need to get, what their values should be. And for example, you've been teaching us for years that our fasting insulin should be below five. And absolutely, that is critical. And by the way, the normal is like less than 15 if you look at the lab test, right? If you look at the reference range, because that doesn't tell you what's optimal, it just tells you what's normal, which is the average population. And for average population, having high insulin is normal because most people are overweight. Needing a ton of sugar. This is exactly right. So, in fact, when we talk about within normal limits, that has, as you know, nothing to do with optimal function. So I always tell the patients that come through, okay, we're now going to treat you like a competitive athlete. It's no longer good enough to be at the low end of normal. You want to be optimal in everything. And when you now change all these things, so the book goes through all the different tests to get, all the different things to do. Um, and then it has many different cases and people who improved. It documents how they were diagnosed with Alzheimer's, how they uh, had neuropsychological testing to show where they stood before. Uh, we had one guy who went from third percentile in his neuropsych testing to 84th percentile. Another guy whose hippocampal volume went from 17th percentile to 75th percentile. Okay, so stop there for a minute. So stop there for a minute. So What you just said was remarkable. You said the hippocampus is the memory center of the brain. It's what shrinks during Alzheimer's. You literally can regrow that. You can increase the size of the part of your brain that is responsible for memory. That is a radical statement. And to go from what? What you said, 10% to 75%? 
So we went from 17th percentile to 75th percentile. And, and uh, it's interesting, we have a person going in uh, who was less than one percentile. She's getting her follow-up today, so Ooh. we'll see what happens. Ooh. But she's done extremely well clinically, um, essentially back to normal functioning. And so we're going to be very interested to see where her hippocampal volume stands today. Uh, I'm gonna, so, I'm yeah. Just share a quick case that I saw last week, and, and I want to hear some of the cases in detail. But, you know, this is sort of an example of, of what can be done if this model is applied. I saw this guy who was 61 years old. He was diagnosed with dementia by top docs at Harvard, full testing, and was told to get his affairs in order at 61. He didn't recognize his wife. He couldn't speak full sentences. He couldn't read a clock for five years. And which is a clear sign of dementia. And that's one of the things we have people do is write a clock and look at the hands and where they are. And uh, I found out that, in fact, he had a very, very high sugar diet, even though it wasn't overweight, and that he had Lyme disease that was, I think, neural Lyme as well as some other tick infections that were affecting his brain. And he had very high levels of mercury. So we began to address all these factors. And it wasn't just one thing. I put him on a ketogenic diet for his brain. I helped treat him for the Lyme. We got him specialist treatment for that. And we got him starting to get his mercury out of his system. And within eight or nine months, it was extraordinary. He came back in the office. He was speaking full sentences. He could read a clock for the first time in five years. He knew who his wife was. He was talking to his daughter about all her friends and where they were and what's happening. He remembered, you know, all the things he needed to get into the building where he had to go to the doctor. We need his wallet with his ID. I mean, something he just never was able to do. And I just sat there and I just, you know, I just could not believe it because my paradigm is so fixed that dementia is a one-way street, even though intellectually I know, you know, as a traditionally trained doctor, it's hard for me to believe, to be honest with you. And I see it and I'm like, wow. So yeah. it's pretty remarkable. And, and, and it's something that I think not everybody can experience that dramatic change, but I think a lot more than we think. And I'd love to hear some of the cases you've had and the things you found that have made the most difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, you said something really interesting. Here's a guy who comes in 61. I'm sure his symptoms didn't start yesterday. No. So his symptoms started in his 50s? Yeah. Yeah. When I, I was couldn't training, read a clock for five oh, years since he was 56, yeah. right? There you go. When I was training in neurology, there was no such thing as a person in their 40s or 50s coming in with Alzheimer's disease. And we're seeing it all the time now. We have many, many people who've come through. 51, 52, 49, 53. Oh it is absolutely striking. So uh, to get back to your point about a patient, so we had you know, one guy I mentioned earlier who uh, came in with the you know, third percentile and had actually documented he's ApoE4 positive, so he has the main genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's, which not everybody has, but as you know, if you have zero copies of ApoE4, your lifetime risk about 9%. If you have a single copy, lifetime risk about 30%. If you have two copies, lifetime risk over 50%. There are 7 million Americans who are ApoE4 double positives. So they should all be on a program. But of course, we've been taught, don't even look because there's nothing you can do about it. But that, as you said, it's all changing. Yeah. And in fact, many of us are beginning to see this sort of thing. And you, as you know, we're, we're actually writing up a paper with you as co-author with uh, documenting 50 cases where you see this dramatic improvement. We're yeah. seeing it again and again and again, well documented in people who have this. Now, also, as you said, the earlier, the better. It encourages you 
If you're at genetic risk, get on a prevention program. Absolutely. If you have even the beginning of any changes, go early, get on a program, get on a comprehensive program early. Um, and as I said, you know, one of the guys uh, came in and after he got dramatically better said, you know, I've allowed myself to talk to my grandchildren again about the future. He had literally, because he had been told by his neuropsychologist he was headed for a nursing home, he was told, you know, you just, I'm going to not talk because there is no future. Now, this guy's actually opened a third business. He already had two sites. Now he's opened a third site. He's doing absolutely great. Um, and he says, you know, I, I talked to my grandchildren about the future. And what was, it that, what was it that you did for him? So he what had, this, so we looked at these again, all these different parameters. In his particular case, he had a combination of things. Mm -hmm. um, he had, for example, he had a very high homocysteine. So we did end up giving him methyl folate, methyl B12, P5P, uh, bring down his folate. He actually was taking a little too much alcohol at the time. Not a tremendous amount, but a little more than was good for him. Um, he was eating a French fry diet. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we got him on good, a good fats diet instead of a bad fats diet. Mm -hmm. uh, get him off the acrylamide of the French fries. Um, so we address basically the metabolic things. We yeah. also look at, in his particular case, luckily, he did not have type 3. He didn't have the toxin associated. Uh, but he had mostly a metabolic associated. Yeah. He also had a few hormones that were too low. His thyroid was too low. Um, so correcting and not just correcting, but optimizing these things. He He's a, on a great exercise regimen, which he does for an hour. He's a real kind of exercise nut, which I think really has helped him a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when he went back to take the test, and it was interesting. He said, you know, I don't want to go back to take the test because I did so poorly last time. He said, look, I know I'm better. My wife knows I'm better. You know, I don't want the neuropsychologist to tell me I'm not better. So he finally said, look, just give it your best. You know you're doing better. And his scores were just, you know, going through the stratosphere. Wow. So, uh, you know, it just, it, it just confirmed what he already knew. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, what you're talking about is, is actually embedded in your book. The End of Alzheimer's, which again, I suggest everybody get a copy of it because if you have a brain, you really need to read this book. And the, the program you call the Recode Program. So can you tell us about that and what are the elements of that program? Right. So we call it Recode. That's for reversal of cognitive decline. And, and my sense is, you know, functional medicine is the most powerful medicine right now, most powerful medicine on earth. It is the thing that is taking these complex chronic illnesses and turning them around. And the next stage, you know, functional medicine 2.0, which, as you know, Lee Hood calls P4 medicine, yeah. um, is really to bring in more of the larger data sets, computation. You know, if, Mark, if we give you your uh, whole genome um, on a piece of paper, it's very hard for you to look at it and say, oh, here, I'm reading my whole what genome. What does that mean, right? Exactly. But on the other hand, your computer tells you, oh, Mark, you know, your MTHFR is fine or you know, your APOE is three or whatever, what have you. And we need to have the same things available for metabolome and proteome and, of course, microbiome and lipidome and all these things. Mm -hmm. So these, for the first time, will actually tell us unequivocally what are the root causes of these illnesses. And they literally will be like our intern helpers that can basically say, OK, Mark, you know. I can read these large numbers of, you know, base pairs and things like that for you and give you a leg up on understanding and helping your patients. And you're, so that's, you're, you're, doing the, you're going to be doing a study in Providence Health System with Dr. Lee Roy Hood, who's the head of the Institute for Systems Biology, looking at exactly collecting all this data, helping 
learn about these patterns in the data and actually applying that to people. But let's just go back to the recode program for a minute, because, you know, how do you start with people? What are the steps you do? What are the dietary recommendations? What are the kinds of interventions you would do with people? Because I think people really want to know, and it's, it's in your book, but I think let's just get a little flavor of, of some of what that sure. looks like. Because people are like, wow, you know, you can reverse Alzheimer's. What the heck are you doing? And it, it turns yeah. out it's pretty obvious most of the time. Yeah. So what you do, so the idea here is Recode looks at 150 different parameters, um, things like your homocysteine and your HSCRP and your copper zinc ratio and your pregnenolone and DHEA, all these sorts of things. And importantly, your mycotoxins. You know, as you know, many of us are exposed to mycotoxins, don't even know it, or we're exposed to high levels of mercury, don't know it, or we have chronic Lyme or Babesiosis or Bartonella, and we just don't know it until someone looks. Yeah. So you look at all these parameters, and then you go back again to the basic biology. If you have cognitive decline or risk for cognitive decline, then you have one or a combination of three things. Chronic inflammation, you know, and that can be from organisms, as you were just mentioning, or it can be from other things. Yeah. It can be from too much sugar, you know, yeah. uh, too much uh, advanced glycation end products. You call that type Second, 3 diabetes, right? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And then you can have an atrophic state. If your estradiol or free T3 is too low or your reverse T3 is too high, pregnenolone is too low, vitamin D is too low. Again, yeah. you want these things optimized. So what that means, so, let me just stop. You, not everyone knows all the medical terms. So atrophic means not enough of something to help something grow, right? So how yeah. do you provide the ingredients for your brain to grow? You need the right balance of hormones. You need the right nutrients basically the ingredients for a healthy functioning brain. And many people are very low as they get older because of absorption issues, because of change in metabolism that affect their hormones. All that is really important to look at. Yeah, and because of PPIs, and one of the most common ones. You know, your zinc goes way low, your magnesium That's goes low. acid-blocking drugs. Well, yeah. absolutely, the acid blockers. They block acid, so, but they also block mineral and vitamin absorption, which creates a problem. Yes, exactly. They block good health as well as the acid. So you look at those things. And then, of course, uh, the third piece is all the various toxins that you need to know. And so then you get toxins a Toxins being mold and mercury and... Biotoxins and, uh, and chemical toxins. And, of course, there's a possibility for physical toxins as well. We don't know how important EMFs are yet in this process. It's very possible that they play a significant role. Yeah. We don't have a good way to measure the effects in a simple clinical lab yet, but they're certainly possible. So then what Recode does for you, um, it will, it's a computer-based algorithm that will tell you what percentage of each subtype you have. So you basically so you get, get all this data, all this lab stuff, all their history, you put it in the computer and it pops out right. saying, you know, based on these analytes, you have high mercury or you don't have enough hormones, or you have these low nutrients, or you have mold possibility, and then you basically decide what to do, right? Exactly, and it'll tell you, you have you know, 30% type 1, 35% uh, type 1.5, for example, um, and maybe 20% uh, type 2, and maybe 15% type 3, that sort of thing. So you can look at exactly what each person has for the different types. And then based on that, of course, it fashions. It'll tell you, look, if your main problem is glycotoxicity, which is the type 1.5, then you want to focus first and foremost on that. Maybe you're going to have berberine, or maybe you're going to be, uh, you know, maybe you're going to be on some alpha lipoic acid. Maybe you're going to be on a high, you know, good sugar. fats, a Dr. Hyman diet, you know, all these, exactly, yeah. you know, so... 
Um, so, you know, th this is basically your book on diabetes helps people to get to actually to help their brains to get them in the optimal status. Most people have insulin resistance who have Alzheimer's. In fact, there's a beautiful report by Professor Ed Getzel from UCSF, and he looks at neural exosomes. These are literally tiny, tiny little fragments of cells, one seventieth of the diameter of a red blood cell, tiny fragments that are actually go back and forth between neurons in the brain and your blood and actually cycle back as well. Wow. So you can literally measure brain chemistry in real time in a blood sample. And what he showed was that everybody with Alzheimer's has the signature of insulin resistance in the brain, it's whether like or not they have it peripherally. Right. Like Absolutely yeah. striking. Yeah, which is, you know, most people don't realize that sugar is, doesn't just make you fat. It acts as a brain toxin. And exactly in small right. amounts is fine. But, you know, as you get older, you lose muscle. People don't exercise. Their diets, you know, could be the same as they were when you're younger. But they're eating all the carbs and starch and sugar. It actually, they become more pre-diabetic. Half of everybody over 65 is pre-diabetic. And depending on what definition you use, I bet it's more like three quarters. And, yeah. and so that, that's a big concern. It's a major risk factor for Alzheimer's disease and something that is very addressable. Mm. And again, when you each one of these things by itself may not be a cure for you, but when you put the whole thing together, as you know very well from functional medicine, yeah, yeah. things start to work like never before. Yeah, I had, I had a patient a long time ago. It was when I first started all this, and I was like, he was diagnosed as having you know low blood flow in his brain, early dementia. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, but like, let's just look at everything and see where things are out of balance. And it's like a car with a 100,000 mile point, you know, checkup yeah. where you look at all the variables and it analyzes what you need. And then you, you basically just tune it up. So you, we tune up his diet, we balance his hormones, we get him testosterone and thyroid, and we optimize his nutrient levels, his homocysteine was high, we fixed his gut. We, we basically dealt with all those factors. And like a year later, we went back and had another scan and it was like dramatically improved. And his cognitive function was improved and he, lasted 10 year, more years and I lost touch with them and was doing great. And I was like, yeah. I said to the neurologist who's the head of the memory disorder center at Harvard, you maybe know him, Dr. Kirk Daphner. I said, how did this happen? Like, I don't understand. Like what, I just did this and this and he got better. He says, yeah, well, the brain is resilient and it's responding to many insults. And when you actually provide all the optimal things that the brain needs, it can start to recover and repair. And that is really the promise of your program, Recode, is that it's, it's a way to deeply analyze what's out of balance and then right. create a program that's individualized for people to actually get back in balance using some very simple things. We're talking about very simple things here for most people, diet, exercise, sleep, stress reduction, basic nutritional support, hormonal support. And then it gets a little more complicated when you have to deal with heavy metals or mold or tick infections. But for most of it, it's, it's very straightforward and stuff people actually don't even need to see the doctor for most of the time. They can actually learn how to do it themselves. Yes, we should be able to reduce the global burden of dementia. And as you indicated, you know, some people are going to need intranasal VIP and are going to need bag spray and they're going to need cholestyramine. But many people won't. And that's why it's so critical to yeah. look so that you'll know who needs a completely different plan, who just needs to cut out the sugar, you know, who needs a little bit of estradiol. Yeah. So the point is everybody's different and you must look to see what subtype and what are the critical factors that are reducing your cognition. Let's sort of what you've contributed is this an extraordinary synthesis of enormous amounts of science 
putting into a practical program that people can use and use with their doctors and actually stop or even reverse dementia. And it's, it's just so exciting. I, I, I want everybody to take advantage of this. I want everybody to get this book because there is, there's no other map for ending Alzheimer's like this. There's a lot of guidelines around exercise more, you can prevent it, eat better, you can prevent it. But we're not talking about just preventing it. We're talking about literally finding people who are diagnosed with early Alzheimer's and turning back the clock. And it's, you know, it's just such a groundbreaking thing. I think, you know, you win, you should win the Nobel Prize for doing this because it, it is really something that is going to change the face of not only Alzheimer's, but it's going to change the face of how we think about every single disease because you're a brain doctor, but I'm a family doctor. I deal with all the organs. This is true for every single system in the body. And this right. map you've provided is just brilliant. I can't wait to get my copy of the book. I, I ordered from Amazon. I encourage everybody to go pick it up and, and get a copy. So if someone's suffering from Alzheimer's or has a family member who's dealing with it, what's, what's your, what's your advice to them? My advice is to get a quote cognoscopy you know, to go in and find an appropriate doctor who does this, see whether it's seeing Dr. Hyman or, or seeing somebody else, you want to see someone who understands this problem. And, you know, it, what's really striking here. And as a scientist, what's really been so interesting to me is, the science, the very stuff that we see in the test tube, mm -hmm. you can actually see how APOE changes your risk for Alzheimer's. You can see the molecules involved. In fact, we just published another paper on specific molecules that are involved in this disease. It just fits with the clinical response like a hand in a glove perfectly. So you want to find, we've now trained 450 uh, practitioners from seven different countries and all over the U.S. Um, we have another 300 coming, and actually Institute for Functional Medicine um, is putting on training. So we'll be there in a couple of weeks at Dallas uh, on the uh, 9th and 10th of uh, September. Um, and then early in December, there's one in Miami. And then in April, uh, one in London. So they're training Miami people. Miami sounds in good in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> so find, you know, find a doctor near you who does this sort of thing. Or find, you take the book to a doctor who, who's got an open mind. Yeah. Um, we've had some people tell me that they went and talked to their doctor about our stuff. And the doctor said, I would never do that. I don't look at those tests. Uh, one said doctors don't do nutrition. Another one said doctors don't have time to read. Wow. <laughs> so uh, you've got to find the right doctor. I know it's, and you know, one of the things that we found is the people who do the best are the people who have supportive family members, mm -hmm. who have attention to detail, who are diligent, mm -hmm. and who have open-minded practitioners. Those yeah. are the ones who do the best. They yeah. have the best compliance, yeah. and and they're yeah. compliant. They do better. I mean, that's the challenge. I mean, it is it is not easy to do if you're brain isn't working, it's hard to get everything organized and do all the steps you need to do. But it, you know, it's, it, you know, think about the level of severity of this problem. This is a massive dysfunction mm -hmm. of the brain. And, you know, people who have that don't operate normally in daily life and they do need help, whether it's a caregiver or a coach or some process mm -hmm. of in their environment that helps them stay on track. Cause when they have that, it is amazing to see what happens when there's a wife or a kid or somebody who's there supporting them. It's, it's really pretty amazing. Um, okay, so so everybody's wondering, like, I'm worried about my brain now. What what are the things that I can do? What are the let's say three to five most important things that people can do today to start protecting their brain? Because now yeah. we know we can. What do we do about it? 
Right. So, of course, the most important is actually to get yourself checked out and see where your numbers are, because your brain functions, as you said, the metabolism and the cognition go hand in hand, just as you mentioned with the, the, the guy at Harvard, you know, you can now improve things. So, but if you ask, okay, what are the three most important therapeutic things? They go back to the three subtypes. So, number one, you want to resolve and prevent further inflammation. So, resolve the ongoing inflammation and People like to use these specialized pro-resolving mediators, I know. Um, there are other ways to go. Um, but you want to identify anything that's giving you chronic inflammation. So, you know, are you eating too much sugar? Are you exposed to trans fat? Do you have unknown pathogens? Do you have recurrent uh, chronic viral infections? Things like that. So resolve the inflammation and prevent it. Number two, optimize your trophic support. And trophic support, as you said, hormonal, nutritional, uh, literally trophic factors like nerve growth factor, brain-derived neurotrophic factors. Which comes factor. from exercise and meditation and sleep. Decrease <laughs> right. all that stuff. And by the way, you know, there's this new product, uh, whole coffee fruit extract, which increases your BDNF markedly. Um, so that, that doesn't mean you should stop the exercise. You absolutely want to do I'm that. Go play that tennis after lot this, of <laughs> but there are ways now to improve all these things and make sure that your hormones are not poor. In fact, one of the interesting things that was mentioned the other day is a lot of people who've gone off iodized salt have ended up with some iodine deficiency. Mm -hmm. So make sure that your iodine's okay and make sure that your thyroid is up to snuff and Eat all that. Make sure that your fasting insulin is yeah. critical. Get your insulin sensitivity back as Dr. Hyman teaches you. And then the third thing to do is make sure, because I think the toughest of all, people don't look, they don't know what toxins they're exposed to. So check it out, get an ERMI score for your home. You know, if your ERMI score is over they, two, check really out. Your, you happy. <laughs> there you go, yeah. And this is of course, you cat. know, and, the animal, in fact, I've got a, I've got my, our dog here is trying to go out the, out the door here. Where is he? Oh, here he is. I'm going to let him out the door right here. All right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. That was a big break. <laughs> get, get these things checked That's out. A good you know, as you said, you know, the animals re reduce the stress levels. Exactly. If you've got chronic exposure, look, if you've got a bunch of dental amalgams and your mercury's floating around, you know, you're the expert on this, you know, check out a provoked uh, urinary uh, uh, mercury, make sure that you're not walking around because you don't know until you check it. So those are the three three things to do. That's so great, Dale. I, I just uh, can't thank you enough for joining us. And your book is really groundbreaking. I know it's top of the charts already. It just came out a couple of days ago. And it's really, I think, going to change the map of how people think about Alzheimer's and hopefully all disease. And we're looking forward to more from you. I know there's a documentary coming up. I know your work is just getting started and and we're talking about major research studies that prove this model and it's it's a game changer for medicine and healthcare and i i just thank you so much for for the work you're doing and for actually putting the science behind functional medicine because we see these things all the time but people go oh, it's just yeah. an anecdote but actually it's it's real so thank it's, you yeah thank you and the laboratory work supports it perfectly and mark thanks again so much for having me on i really appreciate it so where should people go to learn more about your work and about the book uh, probably the best place is www.drbredison.com. Okay, drbredison.com, and go to Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, go to your local bookstore, pick up the book yep. today. Well, Amazon, all of the above, local bookstore, they're, they're there. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. Right. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Mark. Of course. Take care.